Wow, that was awesome. <clears throat> that was a great message. And uh, thank you for coming back. And uh, this is such a great intensive time together. And uh, I'm very encouraged that these words are speaking to you. And uh, so, so, Lord, we just uh, ask for your blessing on this time together. Thank you for your joy. Uh, it is our armor in these days. Uh, it, is a, it is a beautiful spirit, an excellent spirit expressed. Thank you, Lord. And uh, we just give you this time asking that you touch our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, how are you doing today? You good? Of course you are. <laughs> um, so I want to share a message that's been in my heart for several years, actually, and I share it in different places. And, um, and we, were, we were talking about it at lunch, and um, so hopefully we can unpack this together. And I want to talk a little bit about the orphan spirit. And um, it's something very important to my heart um, because the devil is always trying to uh, make things impersonal. Uh, But God wants things to be personal. <coughs> And what is personal in our life will be powerful in our life. And that's why the worship and the messages that we hear are so valuable to us. Because we take them personally. And they're, and they're precious to us. And But sometimes there can be things in our life that are also powerful. Like sin. Or we can also have uh, people's words can be powerful. And we can value the wrong thing and the wrong thing can have a lot of power in our life. But grace is the most powerful, it's designed to be the most powerful thing in our life. But the devil is working hard to, uh, to disrupt and to divide things. And he wants a Christian to have an orphan spirit. Now, when you think about orphans, and uh, I think about them in different regards, I remember in, the, in Odessa, Ukraine, I would meet many orphans. <coughs> Groups of young kids uh, living on the streets and uh, sniffing glue or just, they were abandoned. Uh, they were outcasts. Uh, there was no care for them. Uh, we would go into orphanages in, in different parts of the Ukraine and we would sing and minister to these precious 
kids. They were pre they are precious. Donc on était allés dans différents orphelinats en Ukraine et on chantait, on avait un ministère auprès de ces précieux enfants. And they didn't have a mother or father. Ils n'avaient pas de mère ni de père. Or worse, they did and they were rejected. And how they would respond to love. And how they would respond to our gifts to them. <laughs> I'm remembering we walked into an orphanage uh, outside of Odessa and at Christmas time. And there they were, they would make their beds and they would stand by their bed and they were looking at you. Practicing your English. They're really sweet. And I'll, I'll never forget it because they appreciated everything. And um, it just was very precious to me. And, uh, and what's interesting about this is that maybe we have a mother and father. Uh, maybe we have a good situation. Uh, maybe we don't. Uh, maybe we don't have a good relationship with our father. Uh, 80% of people in jail... Uh, in, in the United States is because they don't have a father or a good relationship with their father. They are striving to be approved of their father naturally. And how many people have we talked to that have had broken relationships in their homes? Maybe there's divorce. Maybe there's rejection. Maybe there's abandonment. And these are real life issues. But grace is so perfect in the moment for these relationships. And no matter where we have come from or where we are today, Grace writes a new chapter. Grace writes a new identity. Grace cherishes us. You know, the world is very concerned about self-esteem. We want you to feel good about yourself. I want to tell you everything that will make you feel good about yourself. And then in a moment, we don't feel very good about ourselves. <laughs> But grace does something different. Grace declares who we are in God. It creates in us a new heart, a new mind, a new, a new, a new way about our, our thinking. And we're no longer orphans. We're no longer orphans. And I want to think about this thought here in Romans chapter 8. So the devil wants us to divide from the life of God. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 20, He wants to blind our eyes. 
He wants us to have empty thoughts. And then he detaches us from the life of God. He wants to come in and cut off the lifeline. And a, a person that's an orphan is someone that is detached from the love of God as their identity. And I think of these these kids that I just uh, that I just talked about and they're they are they don't know how much they are loved they don't know how much they're valued because they are forsaken but with God God never forsakes us he never rejects us. He never throws us away. Isn't that good? How many are thankful for that? And this is, this is why we have great security. Because uh, we can never lose his love. And this, his love sets us free. So we don't have to go into the world and find love. This love gives us power over sin. This love gives us the ability to wait for God's best. So look at this here. Romans 8, 14. It says this, it says, For as many as are led of the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And I was talking about my brother today who uh, adopted a young boy. And the story is quite incredible, actually. But this boy, literally, I believe they saved his life. Uh, this boy, his name is Caleb. And it's a story my brother should tell sometime, really. Uh, but it is, this boy was rescued from being on the streets with his drug-addicted family. He was used and not valued. And God came in and scooped this boy up and put him in my brother's family and his wife's family. And he's no longer a stranger. He's no longer an outcast. He's no longer used. But he is covered, loved, valued, and cherished. And this is what we see in the spirit of adoption. You and I are in the same place. We have been rescued from the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of his dear son. And today we are no longer slaves, but we are sons. We are no longer saying master, master, but we are saying Father, Father. And that's interesting when we, our language changes. 
We don't, we're no longer independent, we're interdependent. It's no longer, I can do this, but now it's like, I can do nothing without you, oh God. Insecurity now becomes peace and rest to, to the, in, in love. We are accepted. We belong. And these, these are powerful uh, revelations. And as we uh, minister the gospel, we can help others that were in bondage now enter into liberty. We are no longer orphans. I was reading about Esther. Esther 2.7. She was an orphan. But it says that Mordecai took her in as his own daughter. Isn't that a great statement? He took her in as his own daughter. This is what Jesus did to us. He didn't have to take us. He wanted to take us. And he cherishes you. Loves you more than we can even comprehend. And he is, uh, he does not only love us, he's in love with us, which is amazing thought. But the devil, he has another plan to divide to disrupt, to alienate. But he is powerless. He is powerless when we take grace personally. Taking grace personally. Not just in my mind, but as a relationship of love. And it becomes so personal. And we are broken and we are thankful. Knowing that it's a work of God. Well, I want to read on some more great verses. Uh, it says that we cry out, Abba, Father, or Daddy, right? That's pretty personal, isn't it? Uh, like when my son said, Daddy for the first time. It really, it really impacted me. I don't, I couldn't, you know, as fathers, like you don't expect it. It's all of a sudden, it's like very personal. Right. Uh, he, he said, Mom, Mama for the first few months, right? And I was kind of invisible for him. <laughs> like at the beginning when he was young, it was all about mom. <clears throat> But I, I remember when he looked at me, like he had to be like five months old, and he said, Dada. And it was like very precious. I thought, oh, he recognizes me. <laughs> uh, and this is, this is what God does with us. It's not just master. God. No, no, it's Jesus. It's Lord. It's my Savior. And it changes the way we think about God. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are His children. And not just children, but heirs. 
Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, we will also be glorified together. Think about that for a minute. Ephesians, look at Ephesians together. There are so many orphans in the world, isn't there? Maybe not physically, but emotionally. Uh, striving to be accepted. And they don't know that they're accepted already. And that's the message of the gospel. Christ did the work. And therefore agree with Christ. And he'll come in and be your savior. He will heal you. He will give you purpose. Ephesians 1.4 Just as he chose us. He chose you. Nothing random about it. He chose you. He chose you. And uh, that is an incredible, that is an incredible thought. He wanted you. Uh, he did not need you. He did not need me. I'm going to help the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. God's like, I don't need your help. I don't even want your help. I want your heart. I want a relationship with you. And then I'll do everything else. Let's get it straight. Let's get it in the right order. Right? So many problems in a family happen when things are out of order. This generation is known as the fatherless generation. There is no authority in the home. And if there is, it may not be healthy all the time. And as a new dad, I am, I am seeking the Lord how to raise my son in a healthy way. God chose us. And then look, look what he says here in verse 4. Uh, before the foundation of the world. <laughs> That's a good statement. If you ever want to do a great word study, study that statement. He loved us before the foundation of the world. He chose us before the foundation of the world. He has forgiven us before the foundation of the world. Uh, it's amazing, that statement. Before we could mess it up, God decided how he would handle us. It's called a unilateral decision. It means that God made the decision based on himself for his purpose and our benefit. It's a good deal. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? How many say amen to that? Amen. It's true. It's like, it's like God It's all his idea. And we're in his family. And there's a, there's a privilege to be the son and daughter of God. It goes on to say that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Those are big words. 
nous a prédestinés dans son amour à être ses enfants d'adoption par Jésus-Christ. According to the good pleasure of his will. Selon le bon plaisir de sa volonté. To the praise of the glory of his grace. Pour célébrer la gloire de sa grâce. By which he made us accepted in the beloved. It's one of the greatest things uh, to know that it, it, the, the primary emphasis is on God. He did it. And we belong to him. We belong to him. And we know that we are valuable because of how our father handles us. All right, let's look at Psalm 68. It's easy to uh, detach ourselves from this love thinking that we have to earn it. But God says, you can never make my love more intense and you cannot make my love any less by your performance. And it's personal. It's one thing for someone to tell you they love you, it's a whole other thing for them to express it, right? A brother is born for adversity. That's a big statement. Born to love you in adversity. It's easy to do it on a nice day. Drinking a French latte. Very easy. Very easy. Uh, just a side joke here. I think our, I think where I'm staying, I think the town is called Latte. Is that right? Latte. I think. Latte. So I'm staying in Latte. I like that town. I like that town. <laughs> anyway, okay. Distraction. Okay, no. <laughs> All right, Psalm 68. Oh, we are part of a family. Even if our family history is crazy, we, we are in a healthy church family. Sometimes our earthly relationships can, can really change our idea of who God is. Even in leadership, people distrust leaders because they've had a bad expression or bad, uh, bad example of leadership. But God says, I'm not like your father on earth. I'm not like your mother. I'm not like that person that hurt you. I am infinitely good. And we kind of wonder about that. We kind of wonder and trust, have trust, mistrust, and we mistrust it. And God says, I will progressively uh, show you myself through your whole life. I think of an orphan that when they're brought into a home, they're, they are very careful. They don't want to cause problems. They want to do everything right. 
they'll hide their food in their pockets because they don't know when they'll get food again, maybe. And the new parents are, are kindly loving them and helping them rest in their home. Maybe the orphan is negatively acting out because of insecurity. And the parent is love is is big enough to handle all the all the negative uh, expressions. And in time, they are able to relax and rest in love. That's a beautiful thing in our faith to enjoy God and to rest in his love. Zephaniah 3.17 says, rest in my love. Let me sing over you. Let me quiet you in my love. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful that he does that. And look at this here in Isaiah 60, uh, Psalm 68. And these verses are powerful. But let the righteous be glad. Verse 3. Let, re- yep, let them rejoice in God. Yes, let him rejoice exceedingly. Sing to the Lord, sing praises to his, his name, extol him who rides in the crowd on the clouds. Verse 5, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. Is God in his holy habitation. God sets the lonely or solitary or abandoned. He puts them in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. When a new person comes in your church, it can be like that, can it? They're like, where am I? Who am, you know, who are these people? And maybe they've not really had a normal demonstration of love. I remember one lady in our church who's been in our church for over 30 years. And I said, what are some of your earliest memories of the church? She goes, I remember coming in and someone gave me a hug that I did not know. <laughs> and that's great. That's good. I said, wow, that's beautiful. She goes, I said, what made you come back to the church? She said, I want another hug. <laughs> so that's beautiful, right? Uh, and and um, depending on your culture, that's in American culture, that's a little that's a little strong, giving someone a hug that you don't know. But this it impacted this woman. Because this woman never was hugged or um, touched in her family. She was, it was a very, it was a kind of a very um, formal relationship in her family. I remember my wife and I worked in a Korean church. 
Je me rappelle, ma femme et moi, nous avons travaillé dans une église coréenne. As youth pastors. And that's the most challenging job on the planet, by the way. I have great respect for youth pastors. <laughs> uh, but in the Korean culture, you do not touch, typically, the first lady, the pastor's wife. You don't touch her, usually. And my wife, who's a very affectionate person, went to hug the pastor's wife. And, and she did a move like an arm bar and kept my wife at a few feet distance. Uh, and my wife said, oh. Next day, she knew what to expect. And she went to greet the pastor's wife. And she knew the arm bar was coming, right? She knew the arm bar, the, the deflection was coming. Yeah, the arm bar, like she was going to keep her away from her. And my wife, somehow, I don't know how she did it, but she got a hold of her and gave her a big hug. <laughs> and the church just like gasped. Right? By the way, the, the way to reach the Korean is usually outside their culture, usually. And I love the Korean people. They're incredible people. But after that day, the, the, the pastor's wife waited for her hug every day. So I think my wife had more impact on, on the church than I did. <laughs> Because love makes an impact. Uh, and she felt loved. And that's a great thought. So Psalm 142. So think about that. Whatever is personal is powerful. Take personally the love of God. It's for me. God did this for me. Put your name in the Bible and say, He died for me. He rose again for me. I am the most precious person to Him. He is thinking about me. And you may say, Oh, that's being proud. No, it's being secure. Knowing that, that it's a work of God. Because what, what will happen? In Psalm 142, verse 3, yeah, verse 3, when, not if, but when my spirit was overwhelmed within me in verse 3, 142, verse 3, then you knew my path. Isn't that good? Like when we're lost, God is like, I know exactly where you are. I'm in the moment with you. God is in the moment with you. In the way in which I walk, they have secretly set a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and saw there was no one. They did not know me. Refuge failed me. And here, here's the words. 
No one cared for my soul. Wow. That's a powerful statement. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't understand. Nobody understands. God does. God is in the moment with you. And I want to give you three things, okay? That'll help us understand this. First of all, is we are fully known of God. Fully known. Which means God knows everything about you. Where you've been, where you are, and where you'll go. God says, Your way is acquainted to me. I know you. Psalm 139 is an amazing chapter. I know your thought even before you know it. Even when you wander and you're confused, God says, I am with you. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I will lead you back in the last verse of Psalm 119. Lord, heal, uh, pursue your servant. I am wandering, it says. It's amazing. Psalm 119, the last verse. Yeah. Okay, so look at this. It says this. It says, um, I, uh, no one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. And notice, notice what he starts to say. He had no refuge. And then he said, you are my refuge. And this is what love does. The love takes the, the, the concentration of self and puts it back on God. And because God fully knows us. And then number two, he deeply sees us. Which means we no longer have to hide. We no longer have to be a good Christian. We don't have to fake things, but instead we allow God to produce things in our life. He sees you. 4.13 of Hebrews, he sees everything. I used to live with a, a, a brother in the Ukraine. Um, well, he was actually training to be a, a priest in the Orthodox Church. And we had a conversation. And he says, I, I said, tell me about your faith. And we talked and one statement struck me. He said, God only sees me in the church. I can do anything I want outside the church, but he only sees me in the church. I said, wow. I said, I said uh, so he only sees you in the church. And not outside the church. So you can live like you want. He goes, yes. I go, that's very different than the Bible. <laughs> I said, God sees everything. And his face got like, he, he became scared. And I, I said, God sees it all and he loves you. He loves all of you. And his love will 
uh, not leave you where it finds you. He brings us into a family. Isn't that good? So maybe we have relationships that are not where we want them to be. But in the church, we find brothers, sisters, mothers, grandmothers, grandfathers. Uh, and it's a, the family of God is very beautiful. So he knows us, he sees us. And that deals with guilt and shame. He, he sees us and he cherishes us. And then he, and then he completely loves us. Only God can love us the way we need to be loved. Amen? Isn't that good? Just like, oh Lord, love me today. Let my ministry be the ministry that overflows from love. God's love is very different than the world's love. We have a big movement in the United States where, uh, I'm not even going to talk about it, but it's, it's a very warped understanding of love. Warped. It's a very distorted. Love is what you want it to be. Love is your feelings. Do all that you want to do. But the love of God is, is rooted in Calvary. And it is so, so precious and so real. Okay, we're going to close in a minute. How you doing? You all right? How many are still with me? Anybody here? Okay, you're awesome. I'm going to take you all home to Baltimore. I love the music. I love the spirit. I love your pastors. It's great. Yeah, maybe I'll change my plane ticket. If it's okay with Tanya. No. All right. Um, <laughs> I cried out, you are my refuge. You are my portion attendant to my cry. Verse Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors. They are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison that I might praise your name. This is what the orphan spirit does. It makes our world very small, very suspicious, very cautious. But love brings us into freedom. It brings us into enjoyment in Christ, in His presence. And it makes us enjoy God. Yeah, in a personal way. And we've all experienced this. We've all experienced this. Sometimes in relationship counseling, I asked this question. I said, I said, you're most ready for a relationship when you don't need a relationship. Uh, you're most ready for a relationship when you don't need a relationship. And what I mean by that is that Christ is ministering to you. There's a source to your life. So when you come together, there's a ministry to each other. 
that's outside of uh, yourself, but it's really from God. Because if I'm lonely before a relationship, I'll be lonely in a relationship. And what does that mean? It means there's a lover of our soul and his name is Jesus and he's the only one that can satisfy us. And he does a great job, amen? You are the king's kid. That's what our young people need to hear. That, that's what we need to hear every day. That's what the world needs to hear. That, that we are no longer orphans. We're no longer rejected. I will never, no, never, no, never leave thee nor forsake thee. Even if we've been rejected by man, God will never reject us. All right, last verse. And this is what, this is what changes our life. Ephesians 2.19. It says, now we are no longer strangers and foreigners. <laughs> 2.19. But we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It's amazing. There's no more walls. There's no more reasons to to think differently. Okay, one more verse. John 14. John 14. So you are known today. The f you ever ask yourself, does anybody really know me? The answer is yes. And, 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 and they know everything, God knows everything about you and, and cherishes you. Does anybody see me? Yes. God sees you all the way and he loves what he sees. Does anybody love me? Yes. He loves you with an unconditional, relentless love. And that just makes us, uh, that just changes our life. John 14, 18, this is so good. Uh, it says this, it says, I will not leave you as orphans. <laughs> I will come to you. I will come to you. So what is personal in your life? If your wounds are personal, then they'll be very powerful in your life. Yeah, if wounds are powerful, are personal. If wounds are personal, they will be powerful. We'll give excuses not to be loved. Or people that want to love us will keep them far away. Uh, but God says, take me personally. Let me in. Let me love you. Peter, let, do you love me more than your fish? Peter, do you love me more than your small concept of who I am that gives you dinner? Esther, how could you, how could you be an amazing woman of God 
And, and uh, it's because she knew who she was. It's amazing. So now it's no longer master. It's Lord, it's Father. Yeah, it's no longer I call my God master. I call him Father. And Lord, I'm no longer a slave. But we are sons. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, today. Thank you, Lord. We, we need this truth. Because uh, we will separate ourselves from the very thing that we need. But you are relentless. You keep coming after us. Your love is what produces the change in us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You, you did it all so you could love us. In Jesus' name. It's so good to be with you, and thank you so much for receiving me today. Donc this week. And uh, it's really, I'm just really overwhelmed by just the life and love of the body here. And the generosity and the kindness. And uh, beautiful music today. Uh, Fab, Fabio, good job. Good job. Isn't that good, huh? Everyone did a great job, but I was listening to him only. So. <laughs> uh, I wish I had the courage to sing like him. <laughs> uh, no, greetings from Baltimore. Uh, and uh, you're pa- you have an amazing pastor. You do. You really do. And Pastor Dwight. I've known you for a little while, right? We've known each other maybe, I don't know, 30 years, 25 years, a little bit. And uh, just see his consistency, his life, his love for God. It's awesome. And thank you. So thank you. And those testimonies were really beautiful. You know, you kind of wonder what people take from, from the Bible, from the Spirit. And... And God is faithful uh, to speak. So today, uh, that song is actually what I want to talk about. So that's really beautiful. That was a beautiful song. So so let's pray together. Uh, Precious Father, thank you today. Thank you for your word that sets us free. That corrects us, that strengthens us, that reminds us, uh, refreshes us, Lord. Uh, thank you for each one in this room. And uh, meet them today in your, in, in, uh, in your spirit. And we bless your name. In Christ's name, amen. And, uh, amen. 
So again, greetings to the mothers. Uh, so Mother's Day is a is an important day. And, um, and I think of my mother who really had a passion for God. And uh, I am standing here probably because of my mother. <laughs> and she raised four kids with my dad. And she would not let us go. <laughs> and she kept uh, telling us about Jesus and the power of God. And, and uh, a mother's prayer is probably the most powerful force on the earth. And, and um, yeah, so if you're a mother, spiritually or physically, uh, you have an amazing call. Yeah. I remember uh, as very young, my mother would have maps on our wall and she would tell us about different countries. Uh, and my mother studied Russian in college and was fluent in Russian. And she would uh, tell us about Russia, China, and these parts of the world. Where Christians were hiding for their faith. So you're seven or eight years old and you're learning about this and it's very awkward. <laughs> and, uh, but it really changed us, that our perspective changed. And missions became very much a part of our fabric of our soul. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. And my mom is in heaven today. And we are continuing by faith uh, with her in our hearts. And uh, thank God for moms and dads. If, if you're a dad today, continue. Continue. You are needed. You are needed. Um, we're in a fatherless generation. We're, and so dads and leaders are so needed to continue, even, even though it's tough. It is a beautiful call. Okay, so Psalm 27. So the family... The family, of, the family is under such warfare today, isn't it? The family. Um, we see that the devil will fight anything with unity. Because he knows that where there's unity, there's power. Our kids need to see unity. Our neighbors need to see unity. Uh, and we understand that the family is a precious gift. And the Bible keeps us together, doesn't it? <laughs> um, 
And today it's not popular, maybe. But it is the wisdom of God. And it's the miracle of God. It's the miracle of God. So I want to think with you today about God's glory. And I want to illustrate a thought today. Hopefully it'll be clear. Uh, does everyone know what comics are? Or what, um, anybody read the comics? Okay, good. Awesome. It's not popular. Well, I don't look at them often. But I saw this one comic. I, I, I saw I saw this one comic that was in. Can you explain what is a comic? Oh, comic is like it's like an illustration in a newspaper. It's like something funny. No, no, it's like it's it's like. <laughs> okay. So, do we know what a comic is? Okay, like you open the newspaper and you see an illustration. Okay. So, the illustration was this a cat, a cat was looking in the mirror, and the reflection was a lion. <laughs> that was it. Uh, like the cat, the reflection typically would be himself, a cat, right? But instead, when he looked into the mirror, he saw something else. He saw a lion. So that's an interesting point I want to, I want to develop today. Like our reflection is the glory of God. It is His glory. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Maybe you like what you see. Maybe you don't like what you see. But when you look into the mirror of the Word of God, our reflection is who Jesus is. James talks about it in James chapter 1. It says that we look into the perfect law of liberty. And we are changed into that image. Okay. So today we may be like a cat. Small, maybe in, insignificant. But when we look into the mirror of God, we are a lion. We are powerful. We are we are the the the, the beauty of God. So let me develop this thought today. Let's look in Psalm 27. Uh, I, I was interested to learn that 
So many people's reality is what they see. Yeah, I'm amazed that people's reality is only what they see. And that is their only reality. Just natural understanding. It's my reflection is based on me. But as a Christian, it is so much more. We have a divine reality. And this is why we're here today. Because there's something much more than what we see. It's a mystery. That we are much more than flesh and blood. We are spirit. There is life. There is the miracle of our faith. And just like that cat that looks into a mirror, it knows itself by itself. But there is so much more. We are much more than our failure, our natural genetics, our past, our present, our hopes, our dreams. We're much more than that. We are a child of God, reflecting His glory. Amen. Isn't that good? This is a simple thought, but revolutionary. Because oftentimes we can see ourselves much less. Here we see here in verse 4. I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. To behold His beauty. Now I have seen many beautiful things this week. France is beautiful. Uh, and, but I think of the beauty of the Lord. It is perfect. It is exact. It is complete. And this is how God sees you. And it says here, and to inquire in his temple, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. Verse 5. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me and set me high on a rock. If you look over in Psalm 31, we see the same, the same thought. It says this, <clears throat> verse 20, you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plot of man. You, you shall keep them in the secret place in a pavilion. 
So what is the secret place? Not many people know it. The world doesn't know it. My flesh doesn't know it. But it is the beauty and presence of God. That just like that cat that looks into a reflection, just as we look into that mirror, we see the glory of God. But our flesh is very different. We see our we see our flaws, we see our brokenness. We we see our mistakes. But God says, I want to show you a different image. All right, let's look at 2 Corinthians together. I want to see the image of God every day. I want to be hidden away and to, dis to discover the beauty of God. This is beauty right here. This is beautiful. Grace is beautiful. Mercy. Mercy. Mercy takes away what I deserve. That's beautiful. And grace gives me what I don't deserve. Now think about that. That is a beautiful reflection of glory. God, I deserve hell. I deserve the worst. I deserve... Uh, and God is saying, no, you are beautiful in my son. So I will give you the best. I will give you my best. That is a new reality. What is your reality today? Do you want what you get by what you can do? Or do we want a gift? A gift of grace. A gift of God. I like this cat. And I'm, I'm not really an animal lover, but I like this illustration. Looking in the mirror. It is not one dimensional. It is multi-dimensional. And it's a lion. It's, it's who we are made to be. So let me show you this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is what the grace of God does in our life. It's amazing. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, therefore, since we have such hope, We have great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses who put a veil over his face. So that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For unto this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. 
Car jusqu'à ce jour, le même voile demeure quand ils font la lecture de l'Ancien Testament. So let's stop right there for a minute. Like there's a veil, there's a, uh, uh, an obstruction or a, a blindness that can come over our life. If my faith is based on me, I will never see God. But if my faith is based in the Spirit, we will see God everywhere. We'll see God in a child's face. We'll see God in the tears of a sister. Uh, we'll, we'll find God in the most amazing places. The veil is taken away in Christ. Even Verse 15, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies in their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is gone. This is the meaning of the message. We look away from ourselves and we look unto Him. I look away from, from my flesh and I look unto the glory of God. I look away from the natural and I open the supernatural. And this is a choice every day. This is a choice every day to look unto the Lord. Because life doesn't make sense without God. Our reality is so much more different when we look at God. And I love this. The veil is taken away. Verse 16. Yeah. Then now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Okay. But we all with an unveiled face. I remember on my wedding day, my, my wife wore a veil. And she came to the altar. And I couldn't see her face very clearly. And I was hoping that it was still the same person. <laughs> there was a veil I couldn't see clearly. I was thinking, oh Lord, here we go. And then the veil was taken off, and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> and I could see her clearly. And I thought, wow, my all the air out of my all, all the air in my lungs went out of my lungs. I was gasping for breath. She's so beautiful. <laughs> and this can happen in our faith. There can be things that kind of close our eyes and, 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 
it's obscure and we begin to think that God is like me and there's a very interesting verse Numbers 23.19 it's a good verse Numbers 23.19 it says I, God says I am not a man that I should lie to you I am not a man that I should lie to you and I think this is a good verse to say that when we see the glory of God we see things clearly when the veil is taken away we see who we really are in grace we are defined in grace and it's glorious are we sinners yes but we are sons and daughters and a product of grace what mirror do we look into well 1 Corinthians tells us 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12 for now we see in a mirror darkly it's kind of unclear is God really telling me the truth is his Bible real life is confusing it's a little unclear but then something happens in our walk of faith we see him face to face now I know in part but then I shall know just as I also am known so what is Paul saying he is saying we can only know just so much because we're natural people but as we keep looking at Christ we know more we understand a little bit more our eyes are opened and we say God you are good even if life is not good God you are faithful even if I'm not faithful Lord you are beautiful even when I do not feel beautiful or this is a secret isn't it we are hidden here this is our armor this is the truth don't let feelings cover your eyes don't let emotions cover your eyes don't let natural thinking cover our eyes I had a brother tell me recently he says I don't feel saved I said that's okay it's not a feeling it's a divine fact 
God did it. And what he does, he does forever. What he does, he does forever. Ecclesiastes 3.11 What he does, he does forever. And it's beautiful. So I look in the mirror and I see a lion. I look in the mirror and I see a lady of faith. I look in the mirror and I see a man of God. And we are encouraged. We are reminded. We are empowered. Okay, as I close today, how you doing out there? You okay? You still with me? How many lions do we have in the room? Any lions in the room? All right, that's good. We want to hear you roar at the end of the message. <laughs> Ask Francois to roar. Is he here? Is he here? <laughs> oh, he's with the kids. Okay. All right, 2 Corinthians 4. Why is this so important? Is how we relate to God is how we are going to look at ourselves. How we look at God is how we're going to handle ourselves. And even handle others. Our God is big, amen. He is big. He is in control. He is more powerful than the critic. He is more powerful than the critic. He is more powerful than the cynic. I love Romans 3 3. It says that even though you don't believe, it is still true. <laughs> Lord, I don't know if I believe you today. It's like that's a shocking statement. And God says, it's okay. I'm still true. I'm still true. Your reality does not change who I am. If you agree with me, your reality would definitely change. Isn't that good? That's important. Because our world desperately needs uh, this, this gospel. Amen. We have a beautiful reality. An eternal reality. Okay, 2 Corinthians 4. I'm encouraged today with you and the devil is defeated that's my reality how about you the, the Lord said I've stepped on the head of the serpent the head of the devil is crushed Lord I want to live in that reality his promises they are our power. And we are hidden. And the devil only sees Jesus. And when God looks at you, he only sees Jesus. And when we look at ourselves, 
we see Jesus and it changes our way. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 7. But we have treasure in this earthen, earthen vessel that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. That's a good statement. It's a good statement. It's of God. Our faith is of God. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed. We are not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Which side do we live on? <laughs> uh, it can be different every day. It depends on which mirror I'm looking at. It, depend, it depends on who's defining me. Oh, let grace define you today. What is grace saying about you today? Grace talks only about Jesus and Jesus' work in us. We are struck down. We are on the ground in a place of weakness, a place of doubt, a place of confusion, but we're not destroyed. Amen? I, I like boxing, actually. And it's interesting to watch boxing. And... And when a boxer gets struck in, in the head or in the body, there's impact. He absorbs the impact. And depending on his strength, it depends on how long he can stand. But as a Christian, who absorbs the impact when we get hit? The devil strikes and Jesus takes the impact. The devil lies and Jesus tells us the truth. The, the problems happen and God shows his faithfulness. We are not alone. We are hiding in the secret place of his presence. And it says here that we are always caring about the body of, our, of the dying of our Lord Jesus. Isn't that encouraging? Okay, one more verse. You good? Maybe two more verses. Maybe two more verses. This is the greatest love letter, isn't it? The Bible. I, I remember a lady in our church. She was new to our church. And I said, I said, it's so good to have you in our church. And, and, and I said, I said, oh, I said, what is, what do you like about our church? She goes, you open the Bible. And I was like, 
Well, of course we do. <laughs> and I wanted to. Ask, I, I didn't want to ask her like where, where, what happened in our last church, but. But the Bible is our mirror. Of course, we're going to open the Bible. The Bible tells us who we really are. If if I don't read the Bible, then everything is like strange and obscure. Like our world. Our world is on fire. Our world is upside down. Our world is chaotic. But the Bible is like a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. I'm, I'm not going to let the world tell me who I am. I'm going to let God tell me who I am. Let God tell you who you are. And look at this verse. This is the unseen reality. You ready? Verse 16. Uh, am I in the right place? Yes. Do not lose heart. Even though your outward man is perishing. The inward man is being renewed day by day. Thank you, Lord. For our light affliction is but for a moment. And this is a great perspective. Because life is hard. But it's for a moment. And God is working in us a far more exceeding weight of glory. So whatever you're going through today, It's to teach you about Jesus. It's to conform you into his image. Okay, here it is. While we do not look at things which are seen. 18. But the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. And the things which are not seen are eternal. Wow. This is it. This is it. This is the mystery of God. This is the mystery of God. That there is an unseen reality. And one day we'll stand before him face to face. Let's, let's prioritize our life in the glory of God. God will never disappoint you. The unseen reality of hope. Unseen reality of the value of a soul. You know, when we talk to people about the Lord, on the streets it's amazing how many people don't know who they are and their face is down and it's like Jesus says I'll be the lifter of your head I'm going to lift you up let's look at the right mirror Let's look at the right mirror. Let's look at Christ. 
and then we know who we are. There's another mirror. The mirror, the circus mirror. You ever look at that mirror? You look really wide. You look really tall. I can look at I can look at that mirror and say, oh my lord, that's crazy. But I look into the Bible and it's clear. It's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a lion. <clears throat> I'm everything that Christ says that I am. I'm everything that he has made me to be. And we are no longer cats. But we are lions. How many lions do we have? Can you roar? I'm convinced. <laughs> Father, we thank you today. Uh, may your voice be the prevailing voice in our life. Yes, Lord. May we say no to Goliath's voice. And may your still small voice be shouting to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're everything that you say that we are. Based on your grace. Lord, help us in our daily life. To believe us. To, to believe your words to agree with it. May we see the unseen reality. That is the true reality. In Jesus' name, amen.